Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, hello. Welcome to Bachelor Blab and happy finale, guys. We did it. I feel like I've, all I hear, whenever I say we did it, I think of Dora the Explorer and the song. We did it. We did it. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. I don't and know the Spanish part. I'll watch it, so I won't show that. Yeah. So I was about to say it, too, and I was like, <laughs> maybe not the time to, like, say, like, not real Spanish. Yeah, I don't um, think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look at, look at us learning and growing and knowing when to just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> when to just not even do it. Yes. Um, okay. So number one, major, most upsetting thing about this whole experience is that ABC thought it was necessary to make this show go until 11 PM. I know. Especially because there's just so much they could have cut out. We did not need three hours of this. We didn't need the first two hours. The only real no. thing that I was excited to watch was what happened at 10 PM. So the first two hours could have been an email, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, but you were, okay, so t- talk to me about how you were feeling before because Jackie was like, should we d- never, ever text about the show so that we can save it for the pod? And I was like getting texts from her just about her being nervous. So talk to me about that. Yeah, okay. I was nervous because, wait, I'm looking to see if I wrote anything down that would be helpful for this or I'll just spitball it but um I don't know I mean obviously we've talked about this before maybe not necessarily on the podcast but just offline that you know talking about race is uncomfortable and I obviously knew that that was where this episode was going to have to go at some point and so I was just I don't know nervous about how everything was gonna be presented how I was gonna feel about it and you know especially I think we've all, you know, said or maybe done things that were insensitive and ignorant at the time in our past conversations like this, and these things are presented in front of us, it does definitely hold up a mirror and, and, you know, you feel a certain way about it. And so I was, I just didn't know how it was going to be kind of depicted, which direction they were going to go with it, how I was going to feel about it. And just in general, like these conversations are uncomfortable, you know? Yes. Yeah. No, I wanted, I wanted you to kind of say more about that because I definitely think that you're probably not alone in feeling that going into tonight's um, episode for people who are aware. Um, Because I also think that there's a facet of the bachelor population who kind of really just like doesn't care and thought that the whole thing was a waste of time. And why is this on my screen? So to me, I think it's better to go in knowing like "Hmm, there might have some serious conversations and it might make me uncomfortable, but I'm willing to listen and sit through it and not, I saw a lot of tweets like, oh, I'm turning this off, blah, 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 which was ups- not surprising, but definitely upsetting. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But you know, I, I, it's, it's like with everything, I don't know, people do this with everything and it's not even just as serious things as far as like talking about no. race. It's literally exercising or, th- or things that you know doing it will make you better. People just avoid being uncomfortable to their own self-determent and it's just like, why can't people get over the hump. Also why people don't go to therapy because yes, it will be uncomfortable for that hour. You're not going to enjoy it, but after that hour you will feel better. Why can't people just like 
submit to the bad feelings, whether it's exercising, whether it's going to therapy, whether it's having difficult conversations, because that's the only way things get better. I just don't get that. Basically what you just said is like the t-shirt that I feel like I wear around on my soul at all (laughs) times. Like I've been accused many times by friends of like trying to like dig too deep and like asking people uncomfortable questions. And Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I just, sorry that as a human in this world, I'm not afraid to be uncomfortable and feel things. And I am sad for you that that you can't, you so love yourself so little that you're not willing to unpack your shit and, and live a better life afterwards. That makes me sad for people. Yeah. It's wow, just living in, in this constant state of like. Pretending that everything's fine. Yeah. And it's, everything's and it's not, not fine guys. And you know that it's not fine because you're miserable 50, 50 to 75 to 100% of the time. So yeah. get uncomfortable and do something to make it better. Okay, I'll step off my soapbox. But I love that you said that because that's really, <laughs> I truly feel that in my heart. Well, that's just something I've been thinking about a lot recently because I feel like in my life, a lot of, this is a whole tangent, a lot of people in my life should be in therapy, but they are not. And I just don't understand why there is such a hesitation for people to go to therapy. It's like, you do know this will actually make you feel better, right? This will make you feel happier in your life. It's just going to be uncomfortable temporarily. And people do it. And it's not just like the big hump of like therapy because it's big emotional work. It's like people also do this with exercise. It's like you do know after that 30 minutes on the elliptical, you will feel better and be glad you did it. But it's not going to be enjoyable for 30 minutes. But like get the fuck over it, suck it up, do it. And then it's done. And, and people avoid it there, but people eventually like, they can tell themselves that narrative when it's something as simple as exercise, but when it's something as like mental or emotional work, it's like, no one can comprehend that those two are the same things, you know? Yes. And I do think that I have a, I feel like I've been thinking a lot about, I think about this all the time, but I think a piece of it is people don't want to do things that they don't want to do that are uncomfortable, especially when so much of this is, you can cut this out of the podcast if this is too much, but no, I think especially when so much of our life revolves around capitalism and so many people are just cogs in this wheel, just miserable and working to try to make money so that they can take care of their families. And yeah, in their hour of free time, maybe that they have after work between taking care of their kids. No, they don't want to be uncomfortable and think about race or be uncomfortable and go to therapy or therapy or be uncomfortable and go run on the treadmill. Like they want to sit with something that's going to make them feel good. Like their pints of ice cream or their like trash TV and numb all of those feelings that they're pushing down of how miserable they are with their life. Like a lot of this, I think can be also contributed to just capitalism and the way that our, our society pushes just this hustle work until you die mindset. Totally. Okay. Yeah. I I was like, am I doing too much? (laughs) No, I mean, like, this is a podcast on The Bachelor. You're doing, (laughs) this is a podcast about The Bachelor, but yet we are literally single handedly disrupting entire economic and social structures (laughs) right here um, on your iPhone or Android if that's how you listen to podcasts. (laughs) You are welcome. Right. Please don't ask me for solutions to the problem, but I can name problems. We can address them. I can tell you where the problem is all day long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's just kind of how I was feeling going into this. And, and, you know, obviously as we get more to the, the last hour, I'm sure we, we will have some uncomfortable conversations about everything we just experienced, but, um, I don't even know where to start on this episode. Cause I feel like the first two hours was seven lifetimes ago. It, it definitely does. I mean, 
to be honest, it I felt I really, again, I, it could have been an email to the point of we knew if you are a person that pays attention to much social media at all, you knew how this episode was going to go. So that was why it was so frustrating that we had to sit there and watch it. I mean, Michelle is a literal angel. And yeah, I feel upset is. that, I mean, I know we had to like witness her heartbreak so that we can cheer for her on her journey later on, but oh, I felt so. Yeah, but we could have watched just that part and like fast yeah. forward through like a lot of mom conversations, a lot of like, a lot of stuff with Rachel. Cause we knew kind of where that was going. You know, we could have thrown that one little piece. That could have been a 20 minute activity, not two hours. Yeah. It did definitely didn't feel like it needed to be two hours. Was there anything that stood out to you from, let's start with even just, let's talk about Michelle first. Was there anything that stood out to you from Michelle other than being an angel human? Let me get back to my Michelle part of my notes. Um, no, I, not so much, you know, I, I obviously felt for her like that is the worst feeling in the world to know that someone that you're in love with doesn't feel the same way about you. And it's almost even worse to know that they actually like do love you in a way and deeply care for you. You're just like not the one that almost sometimes hurts more than for there to be like some big blowout fight. And you can just be like, Oh, I hate this person. So I obviously felt for her. Um, I did kind of scratch my head a little bit when she gave him those jerseys that were like, I wanted to hold on changing the world, but I wanted a partner and gives him a Jersey about like also changing the world. I'm like, what do you think Matt does for a living that he's going to be something so angel? Oh, I, I mean, his, the, I know um, he does the food tours thing, but yeah. like he's, but he's mostly an influencer. Is he not like, is, is he kind of like done with that? Does he even do it that much? I don't know. So I don't, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but Michelle has said over and over again that the reason she was interested in him was because of a lot of the work that he's done with that. Um, yeah. I follow it. I haven't really looked up in on it lately as to how much they're up to. Obviously he's been doing all of this. Um, yeah. but it seems like at least in her mind, her perception of him is that he's a person who is changing yeah. the world. Which I know he has done that. And I know that is an amazing thing that, that he does. I guess, yeah, I was just more like, is this really what you are still doing slash what you're going to be doing after this? I don't know if that's where I, my perception of Matt is like, mm, you're going to move on and go be an influencer with Tyler C and like go absolutely off in the East Village. But who knows? Maybe I could be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that goes back to the point that you've made in previous weeks, which is Michelle was the pick if he was really ready to be serious yeah. and yeah. like live a, live that life. Right. I think he could be that guy, but I think based on his choice, he wasn't ready to be that guy. No, I don't. And, and I quite frankly, don't think he's ready to be that guy. And I think he, at least he's self-aware enough to know he's not, because I think, um, I applaud him for really pushing back on the show because the show wants that engagement and to push back on it and be like, Hey, this is an incredibly serious life and I don't want to take it yet. And I don't think I'm ready. So I know that's not an easy thing to do because the ABC machine will try to get it any way they can. Yeah. I mean, there was Neil Lane still making him take the ring. <laughs> they still gave him a ring. They were like, you absolutely must still take this. Just thinking, I guess that in the moment, maybe he would have been like, hey, he gets you know swept what? up in it. Yeah. Whatever. So yeah. I definitely appreciated that he didn't let them 
push him into it. And I was briefly watching um, just Instagram stories and I was, and Caitlin Bristow and Jason were talking just really briefly on her stories about how, how that family, how seeing that family like really does impact you because you're in this bubble the whole time. And so when you see your family, it's the first time that you realize like, oh my gosh, this is, yeah, this is my actual life. Like, oh, this at Thanksgiving, this is going to be like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of hearing them say that that was how they felt in both of their experiences was helpful. I think given the context, cause as a viewer watching at first, I'm like, Matt, did you just re- like, how do you just realize yeah, like, that you're not, <laughs> dude, you, you're, you've been on the show for quite a while now. Like we knew where this was going. You said on the first night, you're looking for your wife. Like you signed yeah. the contract. Like, um, but then hearing that I kind of stopped and went, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because how many times in my life am I doing something? And I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. I love this. And my mom's like, do you? And I'm like, no, I hate it. Because sometimes you just kind of need that mirror. That's like, like some, just somebody kind of pushing back and just being a different voice from that cacophony, I think is the word of all the same things that people are saying around you, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting, an an interesting perspective on it. Yeah. What did you think about Michelle in general? Any other hot takes from her time? I really love Michelle. I think we obviously were gypped a little bit and seeing a lot of her personality, but the bits we've kind of got to see of her, um, she seems just so funny to me. She has a really great sense of humor. Yeah. I think some of the things that she said, like in last week's episode about you know, falling in love is one thing, but how do you plan to stay in love? She just has this very, like she's actually ready. Like she is, she has a mature perspective on all of it. And I am very excited to see her be the bachelorette. I think she's going to be great. Totally. And I, I was going to say this for after, but maybe we should also bring up this point too. Why are they even having Katie be the bachelorette? Like this whole two thing. I'm just like, at this point, I don't give a fuck about Katie and her journey. Like Katie who? Yeah, I see that. But at the same time, so what it seems like to me is they are like, okay, we've had a series of really not so great seasons of The Bachelor. Let's take a pause on this. And this is what I hope. This is what I hope that they're doing. Let's take a pause on how we run this because traditionally the outcomes are better on The Bachelorette seasons. They go a little yes. bit better. The um, outcry from the pu- like the public just supports it more because people are like, yes, male vulnerability, male friendships. We love this. Yeah. Not women being catty. So I- I'm hoping that it's a franchise taking a step back and saying, okay, let's rethink how we've done The Bachelor. Clearly people are not loving how this is going. It's not been successful. How can we rethink it? Yeah. Let's do two Bachelorettes. I am in that sense. I'm very into it. Yeah. Part of it could be that they just said they were going to do Katie and then they realized they wanted to do Michelle and they kind of backed themselves in a corner and they're like, okay, I'm sure that that's really what happened, but I want to believe that they're it's intentional and there's like something that's going to change afterwards. Cause you know, I'm an optimist. <laughs> no, I know. But I think there's something to what you're saying because Dan had the same reaction while we were watching. He's like, yeah, I always like watching the bachelorette more because I actually believe it. Like real relationships yes. come out of the bachelorette. Literally one real relationship has come out of the, actually maybe two, if you count Lauren and Ari, but that's like very much with an asterisk. Oh, and Jason and Molly too that, but those are asterisks ones to me. Three in like oh over 20 seasons. Yeah. Because Sean, I'm assuming you're thinking Sean yeah, is yeah, the yeah. only successful one. Yeah. 
three in over 20 seasons. That's and not how a good many track years record. for the show. Like, I remember watching this show, like with my mom, I remember watching Trista season as like a seven or eight year old. So yeah, in 20 years of the bachelor, um, three yeah. success stories. Yeah. That's not really, but yeah. With the bachelorettes, there always seems to be a success story. Um, not always, but like, you know, they, I think most of the relationships are pretty serious. And even if they do end up breaking up, they date for like a years like it's pretty significant where it's not just like oopsies and then they break up after like two months you know no no consistently we haven't seen that and in yeah the like off, on and off cases that we have it's been a handful not it's the exception not the rule whereas with yeah. the bachelor it's the opposite well and even so it's like and sometimes that's just the name of the game like stuff happens people break up people get divorced you know sure like, and but the fact that they really were in it for at least a couple years is like oh you gave that a solid try that was a real relationship that i absolutely. believe yeah absolutely. so i guess i just i'm gonna stick to my guns on this and just make my formal opinion is i don't care about katie and i think we should just go right to michelle yeah i think it's hard because we haven't because she went home so early we don't have that much of a connection to her. To be honest, the real thing I'm intrigued by her season with, I mean, obviously I said I was going to stop watching and then they announced two bachelorettes and I'm like, mm -hmm. gosh, darn it. Now I want to watch. I know. They always um, know how to get you. They really do. <laughs> but with Katie, what's more drawing me to her season is I want to see Tasha and Caitlin host. Yeah. I think that's yeah. going to be so fun to just see two women host. How will that be different? Two people. I really like both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, if I, if you don't care about Katie, I think at least tune in to see how they do. No, at the very least I need to, even if I'm not going to watch, I need to turn my TV on and keep it on for the two hours just so that this, this style of show, this bachelorette and these, and these two women hosts are supported. Cause I don't want to support the narrative that like you remove Chris Harrison and all of a sudden the show tank. So unfortunately, even if I don't watch it, I still need to turn on my TV for two hours every Monday night. Your views still matter. Yeah, they do. Way to think about using your voice. Love that. <laughs> yes, using my <laughs> power for good. My sister, funny side note, my sister used to really like the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine and would, would insist on watching it live because she wanted to make sure like the ratings would go in so that it wouldn't get canceled. Like she wouldn't, she would like be so strict about watching it day of so that she could support the show in every way possible. I bet they really appreciated that. That's kind of beautiful. I know. I know. I love that. So guys, it matters. I don't know if it actually does. Like who, like the show inevitably still got canceled at some point, but it did. But I feel one. like if enough people take that approach, then you at least keep it going for a little longer. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've talked about Michelle. We've talked about yeah. Katie. Let's get into it. Yeah. Um, overall, I think just touching on the episode with Rachel and Matt, I had such a hard time kind of, I guess what he was really struggling with was he didn't want to propose. He was mm -hmm. not comfortable proposing. They were trying to push him to propose. I wish that he had done more of a Colton Cassie situation where he had just gone into her room, talked to her. They left the show together. I hated that it was that beautiful romantic setup. And he's like, I'm not going to propose to you. And she's standing there like, that's fine. I still love you. And it just felt yeah. There was something that was just uncomfortable about it, probably because I'm so just used to that kind of going 
into an engagement. I'm not saying I wanted them to get engaged. I don't want anybody to be engaged if they're uncomfortable. He literally said, this is the most difficult decision he's ever made in his life. Getting engaged should not be the most difficult decision you ever make in your life. And if it is like, you shouldn't be getting engaged to that person. Yeah. It's not a, it shouldn't be a hard decision at that point in your relationship. Like, do I want to marry this? Like, it shouldn't be that difficult. So I'm glad that he didn't. I just wish that it was maybe filmed differently. I think that was where I took issue. I don't know who to blame for that one. I feel like they just, they really want that kind of ending. Um, well, cause I also sometimes wonder, so why doesn't every single lead break up with their runner up before they make them go through like the showing up in the dress and the whole thing? Yeah. Cause to me, that's so unbelievably cruel. I'm like, why doesn't everyone like go morning of, you know who you're picking, like, please let them down easy so they don't get all dressed up thinking they're getting engaged. But I do feel like, and I, I must, it must be in the contract somewhere that like you have to do that unless like something happens. You know what I mean? I don't, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't know if that's true because there are a handful of people that have chosen to send the people home. Yeah. But I'm just like, you have to be, you have to be a really fucked up person to be like, you know what I should do right now? Have someone come down an aisle, prepare to accept an engagement from me, knowing that I'm going to like alienate them on national television. I wonder if it has anything to do with just the lead and how willing they are to push back on things. Yeah. Because I bet you have plenty of leads that are just like, okay, this is what they told me I have to do. And then you have leads like, Colton, who like kind of lost it a little bit and was like, I don't, literally don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And so he was willing to kind of push. I wonder if we broke it down also and looked at men versus women, if the women are more easily pushed into doing that and putting up with it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking of the past, like, but like Nick Vial did it. Ari did it regardless of the fact of how much he cared about Lauren. Like, I mean, clearly he ended up with her. I, yeah, I just, that always never made sense to me, but I do, couldn't quite figure it out because obviously some people do not do that and they do let them down in a more private way, not private, still on TV, but like, you know what I yeah. mean? In like a, in a nicer way, but I couldn't figure out like, why do people do it? Like there must be something to this. But well, it is better TV. Know. Yeah. I mean, it's better. like the, I feel like what they want is that big moment at the end when you're like, whose foot is, whose foot yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. Right. Like that's the, I feel like that's the iconic. That's so classic bachelor, like old school bachelor. That's the moment that everybody talks about. You see it in the trailer. Whose foot is it? Whose foot is yeah, it? Yeah. That's the moment. And that I think is what they're still trying to get to. But as at, with everything, so much has changed. I just don't think that they are able, especially with spoilers and things like that, to achieve that moment in the same way that they used to be. So let it go, Elsa, you know? That's a a line from Cody Rigsby from Peloton, so I cannot claim it. Oh, it's not from Frozen, the the Disney animated picture? Well, originally it's from Frozen, but then (laughs) ironically quoted from Okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> it's another so what did you, I managed to plug Peloton on every single episode. What did you think about the Rachel sit down, the Matt sit down? I feel like we should just talk about it all as one cohesive thing. Definitely. Um, so I looked a little bit as the episode was going. Um, I wanted to look a little bit into um, Emmanuel. I'm going to look it up and make sure I'm not butchering his name because I want to compliment him and that would just be rude of me. Well, so speaking of him, the fact that you brought him up. So at first I was like, 
who is this person? Why is he hosting this? I, at first I was saying things to Dan when I was watching, I'm like, I would have preferred they picked someone closer to the franchise. I understand they want a person of color to have these conversations, but I was like, you know, maybe Rachel Lindsay or Mike Johnson or someone that's more of a familiar face who's been through the process before. But then um, I think Dan Googled him and realized that he, this man, he's a former NFL player and has done some hosting work in the past, but he also wrote a book called Awkward Conversations with a Black Man. So I think uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations with a black man but yeah sorry sorry i no 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 yeah no no yeah that's exactly what i was going to talk about because i think a lot of people were like why is he why him and i was like okay cool like what i i don't care who's gonna do it sure but then as i was looking into him i realized the same exact thing and now he has that youtube series that's the same thing so this is kind of his thing what he leans into is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. conversations and so that made sense to me. Um, he was also on Brene's podcast recently. So I have to go back and listen to that episode. I'm going to do that tomorrow. What do you think? Like, Brene. I'm trying to even think of like where to start. I don't know. How did you feel that like it went with Rachel? I think she did well, all things considered. I think you could tell that she had either very deeply like prepared or spoken to people and gotten feedback on like, kind of how she should be answering these questions and knew that like the way to approach this is to all of it and, and accept and not like put any, like, you know, where you grew up or, you know, how you were raised and just like totally own that this is an an ignorance that she had that is not excusable. So I did, I think she did well. And I think our host, what is his name again? Emmanuel Acho, A-C-H-O. I think he did a good job at pushing back at some of the arguments that I've heard around town in talking to very different people of different perspectives of this whole situation. I, I don't know. I thought she handled it well. And I did kind of just feel sad for everyone involved because I think no one left that in a good place. Everyone's sad. No, it was incredibly heartbreaking to watch all around. I mean, Matt just seemed yeah, devastated. He could barely speak. Yeah. So it was so, so, so sad to watch. I did think that she handled herself pretty well, all things considered. I like how she said from the bat, you know, I'm not here to make myself a victim. Um, you know, she wasn't going to blame, you know, she kind of made it very clear that, Yes, I was ignorant. No, it had never occurred to me that that would have been a weird thing to go to or not a cool thing to go to or hurtful um, in any way, shape, or form. I like that she was honest when she said, no, I did not lay awake at night and hope that these photos didn't come back to haunt me because it never crossed her mind because that's the truth. And that's how most people go about their lives, which is why when they're hit in the face with something and go, oh, crap. Oh, my gosh. People are going to say that I'm a bad person because they're not going around and thinking about those, those things. And she mm-hmm. clearly wasn't. So I liked that she acknowledged that it was ignorance, but also her fault that she was ignorant. Yeah. Do you believe her? Do you feel that she, I don't know. Do you believe her is my question. I'll leave it open-ended. Do I believe that she is sorry? Yeah. Okay. Do you believe that she's sorry? Do you believe that she still deeply loves Matt do you believe they might end up together in a couple months? Just based on how hurt he seemed, I do not believe that they will end up together. And here's the specific moment 
of why. Because at first I thought, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, this was all a show and they're going to be back together. But like for PR, was- I had that thought as at some mm-hmm. point too. I was like, oh no, they're, they're together and they're going to go on. She's going to apologize, like make good with the public. And then it'll be socially acceptable for them to be together again. Yeah. And blah, but I don't know. I, I had that skeptical moment, but I think the reason why not is because, you know, she did well in the conversation, but it was very clear that the person who had to explain to her why the thing she did was wrong was Matt. And so this whole, oh, well, that was, you know, three years ago, that was a long time. First of all, three years is not a long time, but that was, you know, she, she she didn't, whatever, that was a long time ago, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's all fine and well, but it was kind of made clear from how it came up between the two of them that it wasn't like this came up and she was like right away internet researching, like, oh my gosh, let me educate myself. It was Matt going, no, this is why this is, really hurtful to people and he had to take the burden of educating her. Um, so I think just the fact that that kind of occurred between the two of them, I think just kind of goes to show that he, he made very clear. I, I am not, I'm not going to be the, I'm not going to drag you through this. You have to do this on your own. And it just kind of seems like he seems so hurt that I don't, I don't really think he would ever be able to trust her in the same way. Yeah, it just kind of sucks because it goes back to kind of what his concerns were in the beginning and the conversations he was having with his mom where it's like sometimes love just isn't enough. And I, because I do believe he really has love for her. I do believe she really has love for him. And, but then I, you know, I think Matt takes a step back and he even said this a little bit when he can, when he's like, okay, is Rachel going to be the wife of my children, the wife of my black children? Is she going to understand what that means? Are we going to be able to raise, be in an interracial couple and raise like an interracial family together? I don't know if we can. And that's a very valid thing. You know, sometimes you can love someone, but they, they're not right to raise a family with, or they're not right for the, like, your life partner or things like that. So it just kind of sucks that he was already having those fears in a different way. And then when it comes down to it, he, he does have love for Rachel and it's just like, yeah, but love's not enough. Sometimes it's just like, can't work for a lot of different reasons, whether that's coming, coming from different uh, backgrounds or whatever other, there's a million reasons why things can't work, you know? Right. How many people date for all this time and then realize, Oh, you want kids and I don't want kids or you want to live here and I want to live there or you want me to stay at home and not work or right. There's so many, yes, that's, that's kind of life. It is sad that that seems to be the lesson at the end of this story is that love does not conquer all, but it's also realistic. And I do appreciate that it shows that, yeah, you can't hurt yourself to support your partner. And that I think was the biggest kind of takeaway from me watching Matt. I was, I was not happy, but it felt good. I was worried that he was going to kind of push his own hurt down to support her and, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of be with her because clearly there is a part of him that still loves her. Um, So I feel like we kind of watched Matt as painful as it was choose himself over Rachel. And that I think is a good thing. In the long term, it will be because I also was kind of rolling my eyes when Rachel's like, I just can't imagine feeling this kind of love again. Like, I can't feel this way about any other person. I'm like, well, that just goes to show how, Im- show how immature you are and like how not ready for marriage you are because that's not true. Like, 
That's yeah. just factually it, not true. You will, you'll, you will love someone else. I promise you. Like to go back to your point of, do I believe Rachel? I believe Rachel is sorry. I do believe she's sorry. She hurt Matt. I believe that she probably has done at least a little bit of research enough to learn enough to understand why it was offensive. And it seems like, you know, she knows that it's important to educate people about it. I, all of those things, I definitely believe the one thing that it, I couldn't help but think throughout the entire episode. And I, I know that my opinion of her is, is affected by all of these things, but I'm trying to like, look at her and I tried to look at her and say, okay, with, if I take all this out of it, what would be my normal, like, what would be a typical circumstance reaction to Rachel? A little bit of it feels like to me, she saw that Matt was a bachelor. There was an infatuation, which happens to many of them, right? They come on the show. They knew who he is, who he is. They build him up out to be this amazing person because she made very clear, like she knew he was the one from night one when, you know, Jesus, was when he said up. the prayer, I wrote that down. I was like, LOL, about its reference to death that she cried. I literally when she wrote down prayer. <laughs> this whole time. I'm wondering what the connection, like what the thing is between them. It seems to be Jesus. So that seems to be yeah. the thing is that they both a religious or she perceives him to be really religious. I, it's hard to really say because he only really yeah. talked about it that one time. Um, so I do have a hard time. No. Yeah. All of her statements on, I, you know, I can't ever, I don't know if I'll ever love again. And all of that comes across as very kind of emotionally manipulative and immature yeah. as we saw from her kind of throughout uh, the season. Because you know what she sat down, she came into that night wanting to, you know, come in, say the right things, like definitely apologize, kind of probably help her image a little bit. And I think in her mind, somewhere in her mind, she definitely thought that, oh, I'm going to walk away from this and we're going to be back together. Yeah. This is going to fix it. too. Yeah. Just based on how devastated she seemed. Because at first first when she was like rubbing his arm and like touching his hand, it kind of seems like she, in her mind, maybe they were still on the same team yeah. or they were going in the, I don't want to use team. That's Michelle's thing, but they were kind of still on the same. No, I get what you're saying. Do you know I, I mean? do want to know, and we'll probably never know this information. What conversations did they have leading up to this? Cause these people were in an actual relationship. They had each, it's not just, it's not like a Michelle thing where it's like you say bye on the show and then you don't see them again for three months. And then you are put on this stage and you have your moment and then you leave. Like these people were in a real relationship. They had each other's phone numbers. They had, they had been spending a lot of time together. They had this conversation together. They broke up, knew this was happening. I want, I want to know what conversations they had like leading up to today. Because there had to have been something. Yeah. I don't believe they literally broke up and then we're like, all right, see you at after the final rose. Like there's no way. Or Matt was so hurt that he did that is what he did but i can't imagine a world where she hasn't been at least reaching out to him yeah and based on how he, and maybe he is just he's so hurt that he's closed off that's also the thing too is i think matt matt also because i actually i made a note of this too that he did say oh that's why i wanted to talk to my dad because i know i have things that in my life that i need to clear up so so i'm like okay well it's nice to know that that was something that he wanted to do on the show first off. But like, he was at least self-aware enough to know that like, I have never been in love before. I haven't had like super serious relationships because I have like work I need to do with like my past family traumas in order to let someone in. And like he did. And then like this immediately happened. So I could see him that now just like really shutting down and being even more scared to let someone in. And so like, that's going to be 
forever. Yeah, this this entire season, I think, completely broke Matt James. Mm-hmm. Um, in many ways, it. Yeah, I think it's really sad. Just seeing him seeing him tonight was so hard because you know he's this kind of funny, quirky, like really look on the bright side. He seems to come across that way in most of the time. So for him to be that hurt. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they, I feel like they broke him really. Yeah. The one thing that overall I really appreciated about not just the choice of host, right? Because I kept seeing people on the internet being like, Chris Harrison could have done this. Okay. Chris Harrison literally could never could not have had those conversations, have navigated no. this conversation, not just because he's white, but because he clearly is not educated enough to be able to ask the right questions and give space. I mean, Emmanuel, as he went through, really gave them space to just kind of talk and say what they wanted to say. And his questions were very thoughtful and pushed in a way that I don't think that Chris Harrison would have ever pushed because he just wants this like happy little bow. Right. And what we clearly can't always have is a happy little bow because life is not like that. But I thought it was on primetime television, seeing conversations about race and listening to two black men talk about the experience of being black in America and being black in media and being, you know, seen as, okay, yeah, you're the first black man. So now in a lot of white people's eyes, you represent every black person they know because they don't know that many. So you're the only one that they really have listened to this much. So now you're representing everyone. And that is a real reality um, that a lot of people don't acknowledge. So there was a lot of things that were kind of said throughout that I thought were really important messages for people to hear. And I hope that at least some people listening walked away with just a tiny bit of maybe more empathy, more willingness to listen to other people's experiences and stories and really like believe when people tell you that they're hurting. I mean, that is what I can never wrap my mind around that people are just so unwilling and just so self-centered that they can't just listen. It's, it's not always about you. It doesn't have, you don't have to react defensively to everything. Just just because somebody is saying that something hurt them doesn't mean that you, oh my God, no, just listen. Yeah. And just, yeah, sorry. That's it. I want to let you finish. No, 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 no. I just, it's so, that to me is what's so frustrating. And as I was kind of going through Twitter, that was like, clearly, you know, you had people who were really appreciating it. And then you had people who were just so wildly offended that it wasn't Chris Harrison. And it's like, just shut up on your, sit on your couch. You were going to sit there anyways. And just listen and believe people when they're clearly in pain. Yeah. Just believe them. I think it goes back to literally what we were first talking about on the beginning of this conversation is just that like people's terrible reluctance to be uncomfortable because it it is like learning better and doing better means you have to look at what you did in the past and acknowledge that like, oh, that wasn't okay. And that's an uncomfortable feeling for people. No one, people don't like to be wrong. People don't like to be called out if you can just accept that everyone's wrong at some point in their lives like are you fucking kidding (laughs) like no one is perfect or wakes up born knowing exactly the right way to say things and do things so I just I don't get why that's so hard for people but I also work out and go to therapy so so I'm doing many of the hard things I'm always uncomfortable (laughs) I basically just live in a state of discomfort (laughs) discomfort (laughs) 
No, I think that's, I think that that's exactly it. You have to, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but I, what I will say is I think the more you practice being uncomfortable, the easier it gets to be uncomfortable. Right guys. The The more you go to the gym, it gets easier. No, but like, don't, I think about this all the time because it really is a literal skill, not just with like going to therapy and stuff. I feel like working out has helped me even do things like, like when you go get waxed or something, it's like, I can literally just trick my brain into be like, this is going to hurt for 15 minutes, but it's not hurting me. It's actually going to be better. And like, that's just a mental skill that can be with the most mundane things of like literally getting waxed or literally the most heavy things of having uncomfortable conversations about race. But I literally do think it's the same skill. Yeah. I told, I think you're, yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that people's fear of being wrong, like you said before, is what stops so many people from even attempting to have the conversation. Like 100%, if you are going to talk about race, you're going to at some point say something wrong. I am sure that I have said at some point tonight something that if I listen back, I'll be like, I probably don't really agree with myself or I probably don't really love how I phrase that. Like we're 100% going to get things wrong, but it's better to be trying and continuing to have those conversations than to just stick your head in the sand and avoid them. Because like you said, it's uncomfortable and you're afraid of doing the wrong thing. If we can all just accept that, yep, 100, we're totally all wrong a lot of the time, not even a little bit of the time. Like we're wrong about a lot of stuff a lot of the time. Yeah. How can you learn more and, and seek out new information? right? Scientists have a hypothesis, but they have a hypothesis and they know that at some point it's going to be proved wrong. All of science is just proving things that we previously thought wrong. That literally is science. That's tea. I literally, one of my favorite books is actually called, but what if we're wrong? It, it, and sadly it's one of my favorite books. I don't even remember the author's name, but I'll look it up. Wow. That sounds amazing. Um, I'm I, on my book. shelf right now to read is think again by Adam Grant. It just came out. It's also about changing your thinking, being wrong and how that's a skill at as a society that we are terrible at. Yeah. It's just the book that I was, well, I read it like several years ago, but it it goes back to like so many things in history that we look at now and we're like, that's preposterous. How did they think that what that really was? And it's like, oh my God, do you realize that that's going to be us in 300 years? They're going to be reading books about what we thought about how the, how the world works and and the science and not fully understanding it. And we're going to be so wrong. It's just like literally an objective fact that we're going to be wrong about literally everything. Yes. So just embrace the wrongness and try to seek out new information as much as you can. Like people literally thought the world was flat. They thought the sun and moon were going around the earth. And that was literally like the science of the time. That is, I mean, I'm not a a flat information to prove. I was like about to be like, but I'm not a flat earther. I'm not saying I don't believe that the sun is go or that the earth is going around the sun, but like, I don't know. I'm convinced otherwise. Someone (laughs) told me, someone presented me with, with the facts. Yeah. We're willing to be wrong. I've never seen it for myself. Like, I don't know. You've never seen the sun. No, I've never seen the earth literally go around the sun. Like from a, a, a bird's eye view. You know what I mean? I have to leave earth to do that. But you have seen that the earth is round. Uh, actually like low key. Have I like, I don't, when would you have seen that? I mean, I'm okay. So I'm like, thinking- I believe the earth is round. Let me get that very clear for the record. But like, have I literally seen with my own two eyes 
found Earth in front of me? No, actually, I haven't been to space. I have not seen it. Well, because I was thinking, obviously, like, you've seen pictures of the Earth, but then I realized, well, you've seen pictures of the Earth. It doesn't mean you've seen it. I get what you're saying. So basically, yeah. Jackie's a flat earther. <laughs> yeah, and basically, to sum up this Bachelor-themed podcast, I'm a flat earther. <laughs> Um, have you actually watched that documentary about flat earthers? It's pretty wild. No, I have not. I think it's on Netflix. No, I think I should. Wow. I know. We've plugged so much media and content for you guys. Now that our podcast is on hiatus, you can consume all of that. So you're, you're so welcome. Honestly, I'm just really glad that this season is over because- Me too. I need a break. It was just not that good to be honest. And even without all of the Rachel stuff, I mean, it just still wasn't good. It wasn't a good season. No, I know. I mean, think about back. Like all I was waiting for was this last episode. Think back to literally last week when it was fantasy suites, which is also supposed to be a A very good, amazing episode. And it was pretty bad. It was like, okay, there's three people left. They on their dates and they go to the fantasy suites. And then the girl who obviously had the lowest connection went home. That's it. So boring. I was on my time hop um, and I had a tweet pop up from eight. I think it was like eight years ago. And it was like, why am I sobbing? It was a stupid tweet, but like sitting here sobbing over the bachelor finale. Like I was sobbing hysterically at a bachelor finale sometime in the last (laughs) 10 years. And I just, I think you were on Tasha season. I did cry a little bit in Tasha season, but I used to sob. Like I used to cry on the overnight dates. Like I would get so emotionally invested in the relationships. I just, I loved it. Like I love love. I love to celebrate love. And it's just Peter. No, Colton. No, nobody's been doing it for me. Basically yeah. since Sean Lowe, that was, that was they should have quite a while ago. They should have just, and that's also, I think probably the only, that's the first season of the bachelor I watched. So it was all downhill from there. They should have just wrapped it up. All right. So Rose and Thorne, are we, do we have anything else we need to say? No, I think that, that really I think we up. gave like a very good episode if I say so myself and I'm going to leave that into the podcast. Cause I would, I would rate us five stars. Like and that, swipe was, up. that was informative. We gave opinions. We, I don't know. Wow. Great job. Us. So are you going to give us the rose then? Um, Honestly, yeah, I give the rose to us. I think that we did a good job um, making this podcast about the last episode. I think there's a lot of different conversations that could be had about this. We obviously did not have all of them, and we're not here to say we have all the answers or said everything right. But I don't know. I feel like we had a good back and forth of like addressing some of the things that were discussed, but then also being funny, also talking about being flat earthers, also suggest, I don't know, like am I wrong? (laughs) No, I I totally agree. Best rose of the whole season, I think. Um, I'm going to give my rose to Michelle because I love her. Okay. And I just think, I just just want justice for Michelle. I can't wait for her season. I really liked her. And I love that even at the end when they were there, you know, she heard his apology and then she's like right there jabbing at him, like making jokes, just so just graceful and just good humored. I just want to be like Michelle basically. Yeah. She is great. Um, and I look forward to her season too. My thorn is going to Katie though. I'm not <gasps> looking forward to her season. And I, like I said, I don't care about Katie. I don't get why, like how many times have they snubbed people for bachelorette or like changed it at the last minute? And like, you're telling me they couldn't just make it Michelle. 
Right. I mean, they filmed people's whole intro packages before. Right. And they've done that. And I've been like, Oop, oops, actually, like, you're not it. So they have no problem letting people down. I don't know what it is about Katie that they think is going to be some groundbreaking television. Like, she's fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, she's like, great. She wasn't the biggest bully in the house and actually was like, mm, maybe let's not be terrible to each other. And she brought a vibrator. So she's sex positive. But like, otherwise, what's, what's the deal? I get that. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I think I'm going to give my thorn to whoever decided that tonight's episode should be three hours. Mm. Um, they could have easily condensed the two hour finale into an hour after the final rose one hour. And we could have all been done with this an hour ago. And so yeah. for that, you get 17 thorns. But thank you guys so much for, for keeping with us for an entire season. Um, we really appreciate you. We appreciate the love and loyalty and we will not actually see you guys next week. So oh my gosh, what will I do with my Monday night? Sleep. Know. Sleep. Definitely sleep. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much. Stay sane. Enjoy the warm weather. Be safe and get uncomfortable. <laughs> get uncomfortable. Get back to the gym. And Go to the gym and get waxed. <laughs> do all the things. Yes. Yeah. If you, okay. if you don't think you can go to therapy, practice with just like going to European wax center and disassociating for 15 minutes. It's honestly one of the best parts of my month. Wow. <laughs> Maybe meditate more or something. <laughs> like goes to European wax center to meditate to get her 15 minutes of dissociating per month. <laughs> well, no, I just love it because I love my waxer who's also named Michelle, ironically. <gasps> oh my God. I, yeah, I love her. She's wonderful. We have great conversations. So anyways, you guys didn't need to know that. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.